Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might enjoy. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mysteries with the help of those who know best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former Russian KGB spy. Join Europe Bureau Chief of Global News, Jeff Sample, on a journey to unravel how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying the super awesome science show. This week, the show is going to the dogs. Literally. This episode is all about the special bond between humans and canines and how they can help us through companionship and stress reduction. And in our SAS class, we're going to talk with a veterinarian who will provide us with some tips on how to keep your friendship lasting longer. I'm Jason the Germ Guy Tetro, and today it's all about our DFFs. That's dog friends forever. It's time to get started. This is the Super Awesome Science Show. Dear cat lovers, this may be controversial. Dogs are awesome. We live with cats. We work with horses. We hire cows for their milk and chickens for their eggs. We pay them with food and shelter. Lives are entangled with those other species, but we could disentangle if we wanted. But with dogs, it feels different. Kind of like chocolate and peanut butter once you mix the two together. You can never go back. Those lucky enough to be in a dog ship usually shout it out from the rooftops. If you don't own one yourself, just head to social media. You'll never be disappointed by the number of people showing their adoration for their canine companions. Our story producer even has a tattoo of hers. And she's always talking about them. Some pups even have their own accounts. Then there's the Twitter account, Thoughts of a Dog. It has over 2.5 million followers. And then there's We Rate Dogs with, get ready for this, almost 8 million followers. The idea of a dog as merely a pet is honestly obsolete now. They're so much more than a four-legged friend. They are integral parts of our lives. If you head to Instagram, you'll find Miss Mabel Official. She's a vibrant and healthy dog de Bordeaux, and every photo she takes is a heart warmer. But Miss Mabel hasn't let her good looks or her passions go to waste. She's a bit of an influencer that gives daily affirmations, 
She's been a model for the body shop and is also an inspiration for healthy food choices. For humans, mind you. I'm happy to announce that we have Miss Mabel on the line. And also her mama. She's the awesome Tanya Kim. You might know her as one of Canada's best television personalities and also as a fierce advocate for wellness, beauty, fitness, and of course, dogs. Tell us about Mabel. Well, Mabel is the love of my life. Sorry to the fiancé. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, She is a two-year-old dog de Bordeaux, a.k.a. French Mastiff. She is a gentle giant. I'd say she's probably clocking in at about 120 pounds now at two years old. So she's hopefully pretty much grown (laughs) for my sake. Um, But she's a gentle giant, full of sass, full of beans. And uh, she just makes me laugh constantly. So she's she's a very sweet and sensitive dog. I love the way that you describe her. You almost sense that she's like a child, a part of the family. She is. She is a part of my family. I don't have any of my own human children. Um, So she is my fur baby. And she has just taught me nothing but unconditional love. She's shown me unconditional love and what that's all about. Like I said earlier, she makes me laugh every day with her silly antics. And she keeps me fit, both physically. We like to go on our adventure walks in the park together. Um, And mentally, you know, Mabel is a registered emotional support dog. I do deal with anxiety um, on various levels on different occasions. And she has been nothing but a blessing to my life. Um, She keeps me calm when I need it. She, I feel like she senses when I'm in distress. I, I feel like most dog owners will agree with me that their pets can tell if they're sad. They're very, you know, sensitive to our emotions. And, um, you know, she just, you know, the minute that I'm with her and I spend time with her, my stress levels decrease, my anxiety decreases, and just an overall sense of calm and well-being kind of washes over me. So she's been, uh, she's just such a joy to have in my life. And she makes... Everyone smile. Everyone we meet on the street, people can't help but smile at her when we walk by or, you know, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes people find her a little intimidating because (laughs) she is a bit jowly and and she's got that big giant head that gentle giants do, but um, she's nothing but a sweetheart. I'm just very blessed uh, that she picked us to be her owners. Tell us about when you first met her and how the relationship developed. I had um, a bull mastiff prior to owning Mabel. So it's a similar breed, slightly smaller. Her name was Miss Louise. And I had her for approximately 10 and a half years before she passed. And I needed a couple of years off after her passing, just because it was such a, that's the most, it was the most heartbreaking thing that I've had to go through. And um, many pet parents, I'm sure, understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I needed a little time. And then my fiancé, Bobby, you know, he started showing me pictures of puppies every day. And then he was showing me, he just kept showing them, showing me picture after picture after picture. And finally, I was like, okay, you know, he's got baby fever. I guess I should <laughs> kind of consider it. Um, I knew I'd always have another dog again at some point in my life, but I just wasn't sure when. And 
it was just, I guess it was just meant to be. He found her online, not through a registered breeder. So, you know, we, we found her online and Bobby drove me there and we, we met her and she was the pu- the only puppy of the litter of four that came running up to me. And I just took one look at her face and fell in love instantly. She was such a squishy nugget of a face. Oh my goodness. Like all of those wrinkles and folds <laughs> that she's now grown into. Uh, they're just, it was just adorable. She was like the most cutest thing. I wanted to eat her up, but that maybe I shouldn't say that because that the dog meat trade is a terrible thing right now. It's a terrible thing for me to say. So I didn't mean it that way, but she's just so cute. You know, I just wanted to like squish her face. Now you are a dog advocate. Actually, you are an animal advocate and tell us a little bit more about that. My previous dog, Miss Louise and I, we are ambassadors for the OSPCA. I work closely with them on the regular. And so now this time, Miss Mabel is continuing on and carrying that torch. So we are the ambassadors for the OSPCA's Friends for Life Walk every year, which raises money um, for the OSPCA to help them continue the amazing work that they do uh, to help animals in need. Um, And we, you know, I just find that, I just feel that animals teach us so much. They're they enrich our lives. They do nothing but positive, really, for our lives. And the least we could do as humans and humans with heart is to protect them, love them, and, and show them the same kind of respect in return. Um, you know, one of the things that I think are really, one of the causes that I think is really important is the No Hot Pets campaign that the OSPCA has with the, you know, summer's hopefully right around the corner, right? So it's going to start getting really hot. Um, And, you know, as one would not leave their human baby in the car, hot car unattended, same goes for your fur babies. It sounds like common sense, but sadly and tragically, you know, the, the OSPCA still receives hundreds and hundreds of calls every summer about animals being left unattended in hot parked cars. Dogs, you know, have the limited ability to sweat. Their normal body temperature is, I believe, 39 degrees Celsius. So a temperature of 41 degrees Celsius, you know, can be tolerated only for a very, very short period of time before, you know, irreparable brain damage or tragically even death can occur. Um, so I would say to people who are listening, if you can't take your pets with you when you leave the car, please, please just leave them comfortable, cool, and safe at home. Uh, you don't, you do not want to ever, you know, have to go through losing your pet because of irresponsible behavior. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on your own part. So if any of you out there see an animal that's unattended in a vehicle, you should report it. Um, you can call the OSPCA 310-7722 or, you know, your local police. Also, something that I support is the spay neuter program. I think spaying and neutering of pets is very important. It's so good for the community also because, it, you know, it reduces the number of strays on the streets. 
It helps to fight pet overpopulation. And a little known fact, I'm not sure how many people know this, but spaying actually helps prevent uterine infections and breast cancer. So in 50% of dogs and 90% of cats. So spaying and neutering your pets is a, is a good thing. And I would highly recommend that pet owners do that as well. Whether celebrity or not, dogs are happiest when they're part of someone's life. But that doesn't mean they don't serve a purpose. Anyone who has a dog is on a journey that can keep them alive, motivated, and comforted. Sometimes, they seem to be better at it than other humans. The exploration of canine psychology is a huge part of science, and we have learned so much about how dogs see their world and act accordingly. We've even seen a large amount of work done to better understand their relationship with us. It's both complex and fascinating. I'm happy to have one such researcher joining me now. Her name is Nandini Maharaj, and she is a health research development officer at the University of British Columbia. She's also working to achieve her doctorate in, not surprisingly, the human companion animal relationship as patients are recovering from and living with cancer. If you head to her 2015 paper in the Western Journal of Nursing Research, you'll find an article entitled, A Qualitative Investigation of the Significance of Companion Dogs. There's one line in that paper that encapsulates every aspect of our understanding of their minds. Dogs know. What has your research shown on this statement? Dogs are always listening to us. They're always paying attention. Um, as I said, they're, they're often seeking proximity with you, nuzzling at you, pawing at you. We also see in their behavior that they know when to seek distance and separation. One of the qualities that we uh, noted in the research I've done is that they're able to tune in to what you're experiencing and reflect this back at you. Another important indication of this is the particular uh, Participants talked about how dogs will, their dogs will show them uh, the treat drawer, sort of paw at them and glance at the treat drawer. So this is an indication of them using referential gestures, uh, which we humans use to draw another person's attention to an object or situation. And another indication that dogs know is through social mimicry. So they mimic our facial expressions. We mimic theirs. Uh, we might growl the way they do when we're playing with them. We talk to them in motheries, that kind of animated tone of voice when we're talking to babies. And they not only respond to these vocal cues, but they also amplify them by wagging their tails and barking excitedly and jumping up and down. So the, what this shows in terms of the social mimicry and referential gestures is that dogs have a high degree of interest and engagement and that this is necessary to be able to understand and respond to another species' nonverbal gestures. It also sounds like there's bonding going on. Yes, I, I think so. In some of the more recent work that I've done with cancer patients, uh, that they will avoid stepping on certain areas. And so there's really this attentiveness that dogs show and in terms of the bonding that you mentioned, some people feel this immediate connection and others, it takes time to develop this bond. Um, perhaps dogs have had a history of abuse in their previous home. So there's really a lot of negotiating and, and navigation that's involved in developing this relationship. 
And I think in terms of the psychological support, they provide companionship and social support. They alleviate loneliness and they help you to develop an active lifestyle. Another key piece with loneliness is that there's often a mismatch between a person's actual and expected social connections. And what's important about dogs is they help you to be in the moment. So when someone's authentic, they're accepting of their feelings and experiences rather than dwelling on negative experiences. Not only can dogs alleviate loneliness through their companionship, but they can also ease this burden by encouraging authenticity. And another way that they do this is through eliciting play and playfulness from people. If you're playful, you're more likely to respond to situations by using flexible problem-solving strategies. You're better able to regulate your emotions. And so this is a natural part of the bonding experience with dogs. It's even possibly hardwired into their biology. In that light, do you think then that dogs are giving people a chance to have a social identity that may not be as easily achieved through other means, such as school, work, and social media? I think there is an element um, to that in terms of the unique aspects of having a dog that's perhaps different from those other experiences. So one example that's really common with people is dog walking. So even in the pouring rain, for some people, it's really important to um, show that they're they're caring for their dog in this way. We know that dogs don't live as long as most humans. Whether they're a pet or a companion animal, it's almost as if the legacy that they leave isn't just in the memories that we have of them, but maybe in the actions that we take moving forward. For people who really care for animals and they're able to incorporate this into other social identities and um, the way that they um, carry on things that are important to them, I, I think that that this relationship is something that continues beyond, I guess, into the afterlife. Imagine being away from home for an extended period of time. Maybe you're on an extended work trip. Maybe you've left to find a better place for you and possibly your family. Perhaps you've headed off to university to study the world and find yourself a place in the universe. Now imagine you're leaving your loving dog behind. Heartbreaking, I know. Not to mention, lonely. As we all know, making human friends is not easy and no one can compare to the joy of having that loving dog close by. Which is why at the University of British Columbia's Okanagan campus, research is underway to improve the lives of people through an interesting campaign that mixes dogs with students. The program brings trained therapy dogs on campus in the hopes of improving lives and grades. The leader of this project is John Tyler Binfit. He's an associate professor of education and a champion to help not just those on campus, but everywhere loneliness happens to be. How did you get into the examination of dogs being helpful in education? It's an unusual story. I'll tell you, I moved from Los Angeles where I had, a, I had a therapy dog there who volunteered with me every Saturday in a facility for adolescents with acquired and traumatic brain injury. So we would go and visit, and I was just a regular community volunteer. And when I moved to Canada, to the University of British Columbia, I brought this dog with me, and every day I would go across campus and get coffee, and I would be besieged by students who for the most part would just ignore me and they would just, you know, lose themselves in this interaction with my dog. 
<laughs> and eventually they would look up with these tear-filled eyes and they'd say, you know, as much as I miss my parents, I miss my dog more. And I thought right then as a researcher, okay, there's a need to sort of provide support to students on campus. And I knew intuitively that when you marry good science with sort of passion and interest, that just good things sort of result. And so that was really my foray into this whole field of uh, canine-assisted therapy or canine-assisted visitation, we call it. And so that was this blending of a dog on campus and and, uh, morphing into now we have 60 dogs in the program that I run and the program I oversee is called BARC, Building Academic Retention Through Canines at UBC. In your story, when you were talking about the students, it sounds like they've got homesickness. And we all know that that happens. I mean, when I was a student, I was very homesick as well. So the dogs really are helping to alleviate that that homesickness feeling? They, They really, really were. And that was a consistent message I heard from the kids, is that their struggles were largely around this initial adaptation to life away from home. And it really connected with me because I had moved from Los Angeles to to, to work at UBC, and I was profoundly homesick. So, you know, they say, research what you know best, and I knew. And so when the kids were telling me these stories, I knew exactly that the dogs could be that sort of antidote. And what they do is they sort of just lower anxiety and stress. They, they're they called social lubricants or social catalysts in the psychological literature. And the dogs, especially therapy dogs, will glue people together who normally would not cross paths or get connected. So that's really what we want to, is at UBC is to create these optimal learning conditions and that's one where we have low stress and anxiety, high uh, social support, and that helps students kind of focus on their studies. Do you think that possibly instead of it being a single entity where you are right now in Okanagan, this could essentially turn into something that all universities could use? Maybe we could even franchise it. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. I'll say the one you know consistent email we get every single week from around the world really is that, hey, um, can you either come here and help us set up a BARC program at our school or how do you do it? And they have questions about it. So I think we're on to something with the way we've approached it. And it really is a very research-driven, very structured program. And that said, we, you know, we offer two distinct programs on campuses, drop-in on Friday evenings. And the reason we do it on Friday nights is because for homesick kids and kids who are sort of disenfranchised, the weekend can be a really, really lonely uh, trajectory leading up to Monday. So we do it strategically on Friday nights to really kind of bolster them. Then we offer on Wednesdays in the library and near the Starbucks and coffee campus and all this kind of stuff, we offer, uh, we have dog stations strategically throughout the campus. And that's for these sort of informal connections for kids just to stop. And what's really interesting, you know, about 34% of our almost 10,000 students use the BARC program at UBC Okanagan. And then um, the kids who use the drop-in on Friday are not the same ones who use the Wednesday program. So there's kind of a distinction there. And then we've seen some really interesting uh, findings from the research of thousands and thousands of kids over the years. We're now uh, wrapped up year seven. Is that when given the opportunity to spend as much time with a therapy dog, students, thousands of students we found now will stay 35 minutes with a therapy dog and that will be at the point where they feel, okay, my stress is reduced sufficiently and I can go on my way. And we sort of contrast that. We're in year two of a study at the Kelowna RCMP detachment with constable stress reduction. And on average, constables will say, stay 11 minutes with the dogs. So sort of a coffee break time where the wow. students seek a more, longer engagement. Do you notice that since we are having younger students showing up in university, that this could potentially help them to cope, especially if they're underage? 
Well, that's a request we often get, Jason, from parents. And parents will write the office and say, hey, can you look out for my son? He's coming to UBC in the fall, and he's going to miss his dogs. And so it's, it's a lovely sort of, uh, you know, personal kind of connection with the parent community and the students to come and, and seek out the program before. And, you know, we have students from all over the world at UBC, and they're increasingly hearing about it in their high schools. But I wanted to tell you about an innovative sort of housing project called Vita Exclusive Living. And this is a, some folks from Vita happened upon one of our sessions, this drop-in program, and they thought they're grappling with, um, they're a housing project on the edge of campus, and they were grappling with students who were homesick, and they saw what was happening in the BART program, and they said, hey, can you bring a bit of that into our student residences? So, you know, every third week we have a group of uh, eight dogs who go up to this residence in Vita, and they do uh, like a mini drop-in session for the students who live there, who are mostly international students, and it's an absolute hit. And so we've been partnered with them for three years now, and that's just been a, a lovely sort of extension into the community of what we do on campus. The other one I'll tell you about that's kind of neat is that we have, we were approached by the uh, Boys and Girls Club, an after-school program for kids in the inner city, and they bus 22 students to us every Tuesday, and the students participate in a program called Building Confidence Through Canines. And these are for kids who, young kids 5 to 12 years old, who need just a little bit of a boost in extra TLC and support. And they're assigned a therapy dog, they're assigned a UBC student and a handler, and they go through all these kinds of different protocols to build confidence confidence. For example, we teach them how to, without a dog present, we teach them how to shake hands and make eye contact to introduce themselves. And then we bring the dog in and they actually practice with the therapy dog, shaking the dog's paw and, and introducing themselves. And then over time, we send them out on campus with their dog and they go and introduce themselves to students on campus. And it's a lovely, lovely partnership between the community, young children, big kids from UBC and therapy dogs in the BARC program. It's SAS class time, and today we are going to learn how to take care of that special member of the family. Our guest teacher is Christina Carcanis, and she is the owner of Bay City Animal Hospital in North Bay, Ontario. She has been helping families keep that loving relationship alive and ensuring they are making the right decisions for the health of their loved one. There's quite a bit of research that suggests dogs are a part of the family, and we've heard this throughout the show. Have you seen the same thing in your practice? We certainly have. We have a number of snowbird clients who will bring their dogs um, south with them on holidays. Um, we also are seeing a rise in the prevalence of doggy daycare, where, where clients will actually pay to drop their dogs off to play with other dogs in a daycare setting. When kids grow up, we send them to school. What's your opinion on the idea of sending dogs to school, not just for training, but also just essentially to become part of the family. Yes, yes. I would encourage everyone who has a dog to attend classes. Um, So a number of things play into that decision. Probably number one, a large number of euthanasias in North America are due to behavior problems. Um, And if you train your dog consistently from early on, it's much less likely that the behavior problems will occur later. Um, Also, puppy classes. Um, the, The ideal situation with puppy classes is that young puppies learn their 
socialization skills with other dogs and strange humans before four months of age. This is when they learn their coping mechanisms, their, their social skills, and if they're not exposed to situations that where they do meet strangers, both of the canine and human variety, um, then they have a lot more difficulty interacting with strangers later on. This can also lead to behavior problems and concerns for the owners. So yes, I would encourage everyone to, to go and take their dogs to classes, socialize them as much as possible, take them to all kinds of new situations so that the dog can feel confident in their human and also in the, the strange situations and doesn't have to be, feel stressed or upset. What's your perspective on pet stores versus breeders versus going to your local uh, SPCA? Well, um, there are advantages and concerns to all of the above. Certainly, there are a lot of dogs looking for homes. And so um, it, it's always helpful if you have um, a strong desire to help a dog and, and adopt a dog from the SBCA. Um, that's always a good thing. Having said that, dogs that have been surrendered to the SPCA, especially if they're a little bit older, can come with some challenges, including behavior problems, occasionally health ch- challenges, also, although the SPCA will do their best to make sure that you're getting a healthy dog, of course. Dogs from breeders, as long as they are um, registered breeders um, and breeders that are conscientious and do a good job, will provide you with a health guarantee and also registered paperwork. So if you are interested in showing your dog, um, you know, a purebred with paperwork would be the way to go. And also it does provide you some, uh, some guarantee that the dog is healthy and that the breeders will usually do that for you. We know that our good friends are not going to be with us forever. And it's a very, very powerful emotional experience that stays with you when you have lost that member of your family. As a veterinarian, how are some of the ways you recommend to dog lovers to help them improve the chances for a long life? There are certainly a number of things that can be done. Number one, of course, is vaccines and preventive health care. It, it would be really sad to lose your dog to a, um, a disease that you can vaccinate them for and, and basically have them get sick or, or even possibly die um, for something that could have been prevented. On top of that, we have things like heartworm, flea, and tick prevention. Um, parasites are on the rise all over Ontario. In fact, they're on the rise all over Canada. Some of them do carry nasty diseases um, like heartworm carried by mosquitoes in endemic areas and ticks carrying various diseases that are now um, spreading throughout Canada, including Lyme disease and, and possibly some others that are making their way further north. But just basic things, a good nutrition and obesity prevention. Obesity has been shown in dogs to to increase the onset of arthritis to the age of six as opposed to normally 10 years old in a, in a thinner, more healthier dog. And lastly, dental care. Dental care is important and most veterinarians are now doing a really good job of checking the teeth of the dog every year and explaining to owners how best to care for their dog's teeth and when they might need uh, some actual um, uh, help with uh, the dental care um, in the veterinary setting. On that note, is there anything wrong with dog kisses when it comes to health? Well, you know, a lot of people do enjoy their dog kisses. Dogs do carry bacteria in their mouth, just as humans do, although dogs tend to lick things that humans would not. Um, so 
that is a concern. Really, um, mainly uh, serious concerns would only come about if it was a young puppy, potentially hasn't been dewormed yet and might be infested, um, in which case worms could conceivably be transmitted to humans. It's extremely rare, but it could possibly happen. Aside from that, most owners survive their puppy kisses very well. And sharing their ice cream as well, I'm sure. (laughs) If necessary. Well, that's it for this week's SASCast. I hope it has helped you appreciate the role dogs play in our lives. And maybe yours too. For Curious Cast, this is the Super Awesome Science Show. We want to thank everyone who has been listening. Your support is overwhelming. We want to show our gratitude by taking your questions and answering them on the show. Send me a tweet at jtetro or an email at thegermguy at gmail.com. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, don't forget to rate and review us. It helps us to spread the word and get more people to find the podcast. We're available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your streaming audio. You can also listen at CuriousCast.ca. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard today and links to all of our guests, including Miss Mabel. The award-winning Super Awesome Science Show is written and hosted by me, Jason Tetro. Kelsey Campbell is our on-site audio producer and editing whiz. Dila Velasquez is our story producer and sound design and final production is by Rob Johnston. Have a great week and as always, make sure to show them some sass.